A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's two choirs singing the exact same piece. And... Did you spot the crucial difference? A small difference could be crucial, even when it comes to loans. If you're thinking about a personal loan, the CCPC Independent Money Tool can help you compare loan rates in seconds. Find the best rate for you at ccpc.ie. From the Competition and Consumer Protection Commission. Yes, welcome to Keeping the Ball on the Ground. It's me, Paul Slane, and Stan from the MM video. What's happening, lads? All right, boys, how are you doing? Good. Richie, thanks for coming on, mate. No bother, even though you just called me Stan. <laughs> oh, you get used to this, by the way. Get used to this clown just walking about. Don't know what he's doing. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, she knew me. I just, um, because my performance became so bad the other months, I get a notepad new all the time when I'm doing one of the shows. And it's supposed to be a good uh, sort of thing to do, not be things doing so the show goes better, mate. That's just a new be thing, I do. I'm glad you're now taking it serious after 18 months, mate. Thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, by the way, I'm back on top of it after that performance last week, wasn't I? Fuck oh, me, yeah. how good was that? Richard, did you see, have you watched them now? I've not seen them last week, no. Yeah, Richard, well, you pals with big uh, Ross Tokley? <laughs> no. Thank fuck. I was <laughs> shaking my cell all week when I heard you were coming on. <laughs> Uh, Big Kev's not here uh, It's his anniversary So that's eight seasons Him and the goalie Have been at the same club Brilliant I mean it doesn't happen A lot in football So You want to say anything to them Selena congratulating For eight seasons No well I don't I, I, Listen We all know me and Kev Don't go on the best of times um, I wouldn't like to see The both of them At the Hydro So if we, if we can cancel They two coming That would be fantastic Two extra tickets For you young man isn't it? What was I going to say to you so I was going to say something That's me get security Now an offside Right, see. No, no, there's no way me they know, but when I go in the street, secu- I have got security with me just because he, the BT boy is supposed to be looking for me. <laughs> mate, no joke, eh? He's made. No, he's, mate, he's no messages, but he did drive by us on Cumberland Road and he tooted his horn and waved, so I think he's fine, eh? Oh, fucking thank fuck. Right, Richie Foster's with us. We're going to ask him how he's been coping the lockdown. I see that Amy's got the Peloton bike, mate. That's something else, isn't it? You've been using it? It's a great machine, mate. Just because it like we got classes and it tells you, like it tells you how you know your resistance and how fast you're pedaling, so you can actually see a visual, so you know, right? I can go more. I can said, you know, a normal spin bike, you just twist it and then it's all over the place. So it's good, but it's like some of the classes are fucking solid. Like these day together. Well, no, there's only one seat, so I can't jump on it together. 
<laughs> Get a condom, mate. Stick a seat on the back. <laughs> Get a backy. Oh, Slaney's got something. His he's got something he rides as well. It's called the winger. Need to ask you about your missus, mate, because I've been in the Ferrari. Unbelievable. That's a day for the Ferrari today. Do you go in it a lot? Uh, we actually don't use it that much, no. Um, obviously, I've been in it quite a few times, but it's just it's something else. It's like you need to. It's one of those things you need to be in it and experience it to like fully appreciate. It, I think. Oh, Can I get a wee opportunity to try come and try it? Out? <laughs> Can you? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, your your missus must be you, you and your missus must want to thank Kev for the amount of money that he puts into her family's business. Huh? McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I wish she was part of that. <laughs> no, she's got a few quid, you know. Ah, she's she's all right. Aye. she does all right. I think we're talking the other day, and she's earned in this lockdown period. She earned in one week more than I do in a year. No way. How's that? Just albums? Just the no, album, just because our music's been played, and it, um, it kind of she gets because she's written all the songs herself. She gets all the royalties, um, and that every time she's played on the radio or on the TV and stuff. So I, uh, so, so she's alright at the moment, I think. Well, Slaney, how much have you made during this lockdown? Well, I'm very similar to that. Um, obviously, with my open goal rights now, I make a hell of a lot. But Richie, listen, we're, we're only here to talk about you today, and, and uh, what, what an amazing guy you are. So, but I'm just going to want to ask: Does your missus know Hawking Low? Is that a true story? That yes. German manager Hawking Low. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. She knows him, eh? She he, he goes to her gigs. Fuck, how's he get smelly, boys? <laughs> well, I hope she's never found out. I don't know. She might. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was saying with the Nay fans in Germany, man. Who's going to watch Wacky Mo smelling his boys now, Slater? Oh, it's absolutely devastating, isn't it? <laughs> uh, what I was going to ask you as well. Uh, she told a story when she came on. Uh, in fact, these are the first couple to be on open goal. Congratulations, mate. Uh, <laughs> Obviously, she knew Rod Stewart and she told the story about you and Rod Stewart. Just any other famous kind of people you've met through me? Uh, no, he would He would certainly be the most famous. How was Rod Stewart? Is he a hero? I mean, he was just brand new. Like, he was just, he just loves football, absolutely loves it. So he was just asking, like, what it's like to be in the dressing room, what's it, what it's like to play against Celtic and stuff. Um, and obviously, it's usually shite, you get humped, but um, he was, he was keen, to, keen to listen to what I had to say. Uh, have I mentioned Joaquin Lomit? Have you been watching the German games recently with any fans? I watched um, I watched uh, the Bayern, well, the Borussia Dortmund Bayern game yesterday, and then I watched a bit of Werder Bremen, uh, München Gladbach. It's just it's weird, isn't it? It's just it's just very very strange. It seems that there's no it's like a training game. It's like watching a practice match in, in training. Yeah, I don't enjoy it, mate. Like I just think I think anyone can go and play in that in that situation. Do you know what I mean? I think I could go and play it. Obviously, I'm hopeless, but like, I've seen guys in practice matches, mate, who are amazing, and then right. you put them in front of a crowd and they can't do it. And that's, that's what football is all about, mate, is who can handle the pressure of a big crowd, and that's why the top players get, get paid the top money. Ah, you're right. Like, I mean, I've played with fucking hundreds of training players. Like, Monday to Friday, they're unbelievable. Saturday, they just shite themselves. But it's just, ah, it's just straight. There's just no tempo. And I think, I think I've seen Gary Glineker tweeting saying that there's like the balls in play a lot more when there's no fans. Like so, obviously what? players must just like play up to the crowd and take their time getting the ball and, and kind of obviously just get involved in the atmosphere. But without that, players just go fuck it. We may as well just crack on. Mate, that's what I love. There's no badge kissing or fucking doing that to the fans. Do you know what I mean? 
as much better. I just actually wanted to ask you about Ross County as well. Obviously, I've seen that you'd been released. Um, for me, I've seen Dunfermline have done it as well. Baffling why clubs kind of funnel boys for, for June and July. Any explanation given to you? No, well, apparently it would be dishonest to HMRC and the, the taxpayer. Um, well, that's that's the only kind of half half reason I've got so far. But I am a taxpayer, so it's obviously all right for me to possibly have to foot the bill at the end of all this for everybody else. But it's not all right for them to foot the bill for me or for you. You know what I mean? It just it's just strange, strange, strange situation. Because that is the thing that it's not going to cost clubs any money to do this, is it? No. We've, like I've can I've looked at like, HMRC guidelines and stuff and it specifically mentions us because we're a fixed contract saying that the fixed contract can't be extended just to follow the guys so you've got an income for two months when I mean who it, right now who's going to be signing players yeah. that's what I'm saying boys with any qualifications could now be going three and four months without a pay I mean what, what are they actually meant to do to pay their mortgage but it's not even that side. it's like there's, like Ross can't have released all their kids I think all of them but bar one. So these boys are 17, 18 years old. What do they do now? Like, they've no, they've no earned a reputation in the game that they're going to, you know, can get another club or they've done enough to, someone's going to have seen them. Like, they'll just fall out of the game. They'll just be, there'll just be no young players for the next two or three years. Can you see, uh, can you see clubs going under in the, after this? I don't know. I think that the panic's a bit over the top because we don't know what's going to happen. There's a guy, there's a guy for Oxford Uni who's, saying that there's going to be a, a vaccine in September. So if there's a vaccine in September with 100 million like, vials of it, then we'll all get vaccinated and football will go back to normal because everybody can behave as normal. So I just think the projections of, oh, this club are going to go under and we're going to play behind closed doors. Everybody's just panicking, but I think clubs are using it as an excuse just to, to c- cut costs. Uh, before we move on, uh, just a Ross County question. Michael Gardine, uh, a favourite on the show. Any stories for us from the Madman? And where do you start? Um, I've mentioned one before where he's, um, he, he says to you, if you, you know, if you dare him to do anything, he has to do it. Um, but I was back at Ross County. 34 year old. I was back at Ross County for a couple of months. And I'm in the shower and I come out and I'm like, what the fuck's going on here? So Midge is taking the shower gel, squirted it all over the, sh- the floor, goes to one end of the dressing room and runs and just slides fucking bollock naked. Right down, right down the dressing room. <laughs> and then that's not, it's like, Midge, oh, that, like, do it on your front next, then do it on your front. So then he goes back, fucking does a cleansing all the way down it. It's like, like you say, 34, father of three, fucking crackpot. Mate, why, how come he just loves being naked, man, doesn't he? Oh, it's, uh, it's just, it's just his party piece. It's just, uh, say it like Rangers, obviously, say it like one, ten, uh, nine in a row, sorry. I'll get slaughtered for that. Nine in a row. Um, what key areas can you see that both Celtic and Rangers need to address in the, in the summer? You're obviously an ex-Rangers player. Uh, well, Rangers, need, Rangers need to stop going to fucking Dubai in January. <laughs> I don't know what happens to them in January, but they go there and they come back and they're, they're shite for the rest of the season. Did you notice he playing against them? Did you notice that they were a different team before January and after January? Did we play? I, don't, I think we played them. Did we play them after January? I think we did. Yeah, you did. You played them up at Ross County. I think the one one one. one it, was a, it was like a fucking goal. It was a deflected goal, deflected off me, went in, shock. But um, aye, just because at the start of the season, we played them and we played Celtic. And even though Celtic gave us a doing at one of the games, we were like, you know what, Rangers are as good as these. Like, they just moved the ball really quickly and like got at you. And then it just seemed like they'd been deflated the next time we played them and they, didn't, they never had any confidence. And we just kind of sat in like decent shape and they, they couldn't have break it down. 
Whereas before, they were just they were like the red arrows, and you couldn't you couldn't mark them because they were all over the shop. But I, I don't know, I don't I don't know what happened to them. But they just I mean, set like what does it like? Depends who set of glues. If set of glues, you know, a few key players are here, and Chan might be going. I know he's he never played that much, but if set keep the squad they've got just now, they're one ten or one. Yeah, I think just with Seattle, they've got players that have been there and done that. And Rangers, I think Rangers need to sign three or four guys that have, have been there and done that. But can Rangers afford to go and get the, the type of players? Well, to be fair, I've just paid what four million for the boy Hadji. Again, for me though, Richie, it's had it's a gamble for me, Hadji. As he, he's never played a full season for a team, it's the same as Kent last year. Aye, that's that's the thing. Like I, I when I played the season before playing against Kent, he was to me he was he was like the toughest player I played against. Like. You know, because he's rapid, he's good with both feet. He goes inside, outside. He's like a right good player. And then they signed him for five million, and I was like, "Who the fuck is this guy that that's came back up here?" Because that's not the same guy that played last year. And really? Did you, tell, did you tell a difference, Richard? Yeah. I, it must. You know, he's he's still a young boy, and it must just be a confidence thing. But he just he would kind of do some something good and then stop. Whereas the year before, he would just like run right by you. And, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? twat it in the top corner or set somebody up or whatever but he just seemed to lose the magic he had the year before but it's you know you know yourself it's no easy to play at Ibrox like when there's 50 we just discussed it there when there's 50,000 fans and every pass every touch every shot if you don't it doesn't go where you want it to go they're on you so it's you know it's you kind of you get that bounce when you come to the old firm or you know you suddenly become Canel I'm one of the main guys here five million pound player in Glasgow top man and then when it starts to shit starts hitting the fan you're going oh can he handle the pressure and, and a lot of them can't but you're right they need boys who can handle it they need boys who have been there before and have performed well but I don't know that kind of they're, they're spending four million on an unknown you'd be better spending one million on a guy who's a bit older but he's been there before yeah, uh, like how important is it to keep Edward? How is he playing? It's, for me, he's sensational. I I think he's better than Dembele. Yeah, yeah, right. I I think just like see see his his quick feet in like a tight situation. He just always seems to be able to get the ball on the target. Like he just the way he manipulates the ball is pretty special. And he, he's one of those where you're actually afraid to go and tackle him because he's so good. Like you think if I go here and miss time it, it's a penalty or it's a free kick or whatever. Um, but aye, if they need to keep him, I think if they lose him, it could be a, you know, a, a, a closer title race. Obviously, as long as his Rangers kind of uh, sign a few boys as well. But he's he's massive for him. But you know yourself, so I see when you're in a team where you've got one guy who's that good, it gives you a lift knowing he's in the team. Yeah. So if they if you take him out of the team, then you kind of think, you know, would Celtic be as a as much a threat and attack? I don't think they would, and they'd need to do very well to replace him. What about just quickly outside the uh, Celtic and Rangers? Who else? Any other players impress you last season? Um, last season, last season, last season. Well, I, Matty Kennedy, obviously I played with him at St Johnston and he moved to Aberdeen and it was tough for him to start with but technically he's got so much ability. Um, still relatively young and, he, and I think Aberdeen will be a good club for him because they'll allow him to kind of play with a bit of freedom but he's he's probably the pick of the right. There's a few at Motherwell um, but is it the boy Campbell midfield? Alan Campbell, huh? Uh, he's just, he, you know, he's kind of no frills, but he just, he's almost like an old school midfielder. He just yeah. box the box. Like, it annoys me now where you get a number six and a number eight and a number 10 and a number four. Nah, you're a mid, if you're a certain midfielder, you work between that box and that box. And you go, and he seems to do that. He loads of energy and he scored against us. I think he scored two or three against us. Um, good, good player. 
I agree 100% on that midfield, I think, mate, 100%. Um, I had to ask you quickly as well, I know you and the missus had a wee spat with Tommy Wright, are you surprised he's away from St Johnston? Um, no, I think there was there was a few things he, he didn't, in, he, he started, uh, was starting to annoy him about the club, I think. Um, I don't know what they were, but just kind of heading through the grapevine, he just kind of got to the point where he actually went, you know what, I've, I've had enough. But to be to weirdly, I've spoke to him a few times in the lockdown. Um, oh, yeah, I've spoken to him. I've still like, well, but we fell out, but like the, the first time I seen him, and we came back up to Ross County, like we played against him, shook his hand and spoke to him then, and we spoke after and that, and, and everything was fine. Um, the two of us are, are similar, like we don't, Hope, there's no point holding grudges I don't think so mm-hmm. like it, it happened you fought out you make up it's fine and I think well I certainly do and I think I got the feeling from him that I kind of regret the way it ended at St Johnston um, because I played some of my best football under him he was probably one he's probably understood me more as a person than any other manager I've worked with so it was just kind of disappointing that kind of the, the way the two of us let it, let it end but I, I still speak to him and I just need to confirm, is he, did he actually have his dog's name stitched on the side of his boots, or is that a lie? I don't know. <laughs> Supposedly he did, Winston. His dog's oh, Winston. Right, right. His dog's <laughs> 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 Yeah, just before we get into the chat about your career, Richie, all you listeners at home might be wondering where the madman slain has disappeared over the last couple of podcasts. The truth is, Freddie Lundberg is raging, Mum. He's chinned him about his comments on one of the recent podcasts, and wants to have it out with him on a Zoom call in their Calvin Kleins. As a result, Slaney's been ducking out early to learn Swedish on the language learning platform Babbel, so he can repeat his comments to him in his native tongue. It's just as well Babbel gave both of us access to our very own account recently, as even I had a go at it, and I've got to say it's brilliant. Me and the missus love to travel. We're currently learning French. I'm pretty much an expert now. Uh, Je m'appelle Simon, as you can see. Uh, Babbel makes it very easy where it's clear and simple interface makes it an enjoyable experience as opposed to the more dull methods I remember having to learn at school it is designed to quickly get you speaking your new language within weeks with daily 10 to 15 minute lessons and teaches real life interactive conversations the speech recognition technology helps you to improve your pronunciation and accent and you can choose 14 different languages including Spanish, French, Italian and German Babbel is available as an app or online and your progress will be synced across all devices. Try Babbel today. Just go to babbel.co.uk or download the app for free. That is babbel, B-A-B-B-E-L.co.uk or download the app to try for free. Babbel, learn a new language and make it your own. Uh, right, mate, we'll talk a bit about the career. Uh, Aberdeen, obviously. Uh, Jimmy Calderwood was uh, the gaffer for the majority of it. Obviously, it seems like a big personality. Any any funny memories of Jimmy? Uh, there's a few. He's, he was just, but just that he was just a, he just was a personality. But um, the first, I can remember the first day. So we all like, we, we the season finishes before all this stuff happens with Steve Patterson. Jimmy Calderwood's unveiled as manager. None of us have met him. So we go back the first day. We'd been sent to that program and stuff to do. So you you knew straight away like this guy's serious. Like the program he gave us was solid. Like mm-hmm. so, like right, okay. Better take it serious. So we go back in, you're sitting there pre-season, you've got all your new kit on, your new trainers, and you're just sitting in the dressing room and he walked in and it was like, holy shit. Like, I'd heard this guy likes getting tanned, but he was mahogany. 
<laughs> and because because he obviously sits in the sun for so long, his, his lips all get dry. So he had like big like a big bit of Vaseline around his lips like that. He walked in, and you're just like looking at him, going, "Holy shit, this is a manager." <laughs> um, but I, but he was, he's a, obviously you know he's fluent in Dutch and stuff. And he done a lot of coaching there, so it was we for five years in a row we went to to, to Holland pre-season, and then every year we'd play a game on a Saturday, we'd drive to Amsterdam, and you'd do a night out in Amsterdam. Okay. So staff would go and we'd go. So five years in a row we're all out in Amsterdam. Oh, would he come in with the boys? Would Jimmy come in? No, with no, the boys? he would. They, this, all the staff would go themselves, and then we'd kind of go ourselves. But um, it's like see, it's like letting kids free in a sweet shop with nobody behind the counter. It's just <laughs> some of the things I've seen over there. It's just like you wouldn't believe it. Somebody told me that Jimmy, the reason Jimmy Calderwood had Vaseline in these mouth is because he was kissing Jim Layton's eyebrows. <laughs> 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 I can't. I can't deny that. I don't know. I, I guess it's not, but I can't deny it. <laughs> was, uh, was Jimmy Nick there as well? I him and Jimmy Nick, the two of them. I mean, Jimmy Nick is like as an assistant manager is brilliant. Like he just is is banter with the boys, his class. Um, he's got like a serious streak to him as well. Like and obviously he knows the game, but he's a, he's a good guy. Like he's, with him telling a story is like it's so funny. Like, we've, had him on, we've had him on here. He was brilliant. Aye. He's just, he's just, even like his stories are funny, but the way he tells them makes it even funnier. Um, by the two of them together, were, were class. Like Jimmy Caldwell, so he'd get, um, he'd get stopped for the police, right? So he'd get stopped speeding loads of times. He'd just hand over his Dutch license, right? So it, got to the, it got to the point when they actually started cutting on to it. And they actually, so they got him, he had 25 points in his driver's license. <laughs> <laughs> just because he just kept handing over a Dutch one. And they're like, oh no, you fucking, you, you could have went to jail. <laughs> oh, it's amazing, man. Could you, they, uh, could you crack Jimmy Calderwood? Yeah? Could you go he, Oh, I, oh, I could. Like, he, he lost it at me a few times. What for? Um, just kind of answer him back. I mean, I was like 19, 20 at the time, obnoxious little shit. Like, thought I knew it all, thought I knew better than everybody else. And, and he put me in my place a few times. Like, the, his last game, his last game, we were playing Hibs at home and we had to win to get into Europe. <coughs> so he, he shapes up the team and I'm playing centre-half. Now, I'd be, for a few games before, I'd been playing centre-mid and uh, Scott Severin had been playing centre-half. But he obviously thought, right, I want Seve's quality in midfield and my pace at the back, basically. But I'm fucking mumping and moaning through training that I don't want to play because I hate fucking centre-half. I hate it. It's the worst position on the pitch. So I'm going, I don't, I don't want to play here. So, like, so we're coming for the game and he just turns to me and went, you, do you want to fucking play? So I'm just like, oh. well, shut the fuck up then and get your boots on and go and play centre-half. And I'm like, right, okay. And then after the game, we won, obviously, I think we won, was it 1-0 or 2-1? We qualified for Europe and he just came over and went, see, told you. <laughs> I was That's like, fair enough. Did you know he had run on them too? What was your story? No, see, the thing is, again, me just being a cheeky bastard. <laughs> we're... we're we're playing a practice match always on a Thursday it would be the first team against the rest so I think one of the boys turned in midfield or something and I just cleaned them out like wiped them out and he's like oh that'd be a fucking booking in a game and it's like then you have to go the rest of the game he's like fucking stupid thing to do how's your fucking brain and I just went pretty good <laughs> <laughs> but then so again me being a cheeky bastard but then somebody I don't know who it was but somebody went to the, the press and told them that I said that he was stupid. <laughs> Whereas I, I never said that. Like, he just asked me how my brain was, and I was like, pretty good, actually. Hey, um, I mean, that's like a Gary Mackay, Stephen and Stuart Armstrong argument there. 
Or, well, see, both of them are intelligent guys, so I. I tell you. That Aberdeen uh, European camp, mate, uh, 2007 2008, played Bayern Munich. Uh, why did you not play in the home game? I was injured, done my hammy. Oh, nightmare, eh? Uh, so I was obviously in the stand watching, but it's to be fair, to be fair, Bayern Munich must have turned up and went, this is not football, because our pitch was like a fucking tatty field. Like, I think, I think the groundsman had made it worse on purpose, and they must they came and must have went, nah, this is no football, lads. Let's get out of here as quick as we can. Was it Josh Walker? Josh Walker score? Josh Walker and Sean Aluko. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Allianz, what was the field experience like going over there? Well, obviously I've been to Ibrox and Parkhead and been like battered before like yeah. many times I mean last season total I conceded like 20 goals against Celtic or something but it was just different it was like it was like you were playing against like ghosts like, you, you couldn't get like even if you, you, you were beside a guy it was like I'm not really marking him because if he wants to run by me he's just going to run right by me and it was just it was almost like they were just toying with you you know it was like a Going into a boxing match and the guy never he never hit you with a big haymaker, he just jabbed you to death. And it just like it was like it was like a training game for them. Like I think we I think we had a I'm pretty sure I can't remember who kicked off, but within about two minutes, they passed the ball about, they dinked it up to Luca Tony, he laid it off, and Podolski hit a volley and it hit the bar. And we were all just like that going, Oh fuck. Like we went for a long game here, and it was like just a surreal, surreal experience. Like the, the players were incredible. Like it just it makes you. It's kind of it's great that you've played against them, but also kind of makes you a wee bit sad that you go, Jesus, I'm never going to be as good as that guy. What was yeah. the, What was the team, team talk like before that game? What, what was the plan? Well, the plan was that I don't think Calderwood wasn't very happy with Willie Sanyol and Oliver Can. He says we could we could maybe get at them. We're thinking. <laughs> Well, I'm pretty sure he won the fucking World Cup. All of our chance the best goal ever, man. Uh, so we were like, ah, well, ah oh, right on, yeah. We'll, okay, we'll go down the left and shoot straight for the arm. <laughs> that'll be, that'll be it. So we think, I think we actually had the first chance. I think Darren Mackey kind of got put through and he kind of skewed his shot wide. Um, but then I think that just awoke in the beast and then that was it. After that, it was just uh, good night, Vienna. Who was the best? Podolski played, Van Bommel, look at Tony. Tony Cruz was a young player then. Uh, I think, to be fair, Van Bommel, like, his passing accuracy must have been 100%. 99% at the very worst. He was just, just so graceful. And he's one of those guys where you look at him and you think, you're not even that fast, but you're running away from me. He just seems to glide across the ground. And he's tall, so he's got massive strides. But I uh, just, obviously, they were all exceptional. Lucio, um, but no, he was, he was the pick of them for me. Just absolutely strolled the game. And he tackles like a League 2 player in Scotland, Van Bommel, didn't he? Absolutely, both <laughs> those boys, man. Uh, but to be fair, that's, which is a, quite a shock when you play somebody like Bayern, you don't expect that, to, to have a guy like that in their team. Uh-huh. But no, he was he was exceptional, him. Um, but uh, you look around the whole team and it was like, uh, we've got no chance here. Yeah. Did, did you speak to, like, could you speak to the players now? No, really. Like, no, they, like to be fair, I was, I speak more now laterally as I've got older. But back then, I would have probably just been, and that's probably part of the point. I would have been kind of too in awe of them to kind of to, to say anything. Um, it was just it was. Oh fuck! My door's gonna go here. DPD. She's got some other fucking delivery. Honestly, every day, like about five deliveries. This <laughs> see this DPD driver. He could have fucking quarantined us. He's here often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wait for the ring a bell. 
To be fair, it might be our food because we get like. Can you go get it? Uh, I'll wait for him to ring a bell and I'll go and get it. I'll be too sick. Last night, did you get a strip that night? Aye, the boy, uh, Alton Top, Turkish guy. Oh, I remember him, Alton Top. Good, good player. He was. Um, like, against him, Mike. Aye. I was, I I was left back. His, his movement was unbelievable. Like that one where, see, as a defender, when you look and you see the guy and then you look back to the ball exactly. and then you think, oh, he's there. But he's actually there. Yeah. And it was like, it was just just the timing and everything. But I think it was like he obviously knew that. He could make the runs. Uh, right, mate. We'll, we'll just crack up the Rangers bit. Uh, so the Rangers move was a bit of a weird one because it was a loan spell. Why, why was aye. that? Um, aye, it was, like it, it was basically if Carlsberg do loan spells. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it, it kind of was weird. I spoke to Walter Smith obviously when I went down, and he'd said, "Look, we tried to sign you in the summer, like like on a permanent deal," but Aberdeen said no. Just fine, it's fair enough. And he was like, "Look, so we kind of we never pursued it anymore because we didn't see the point." Um, and then there was a story in the paper a couple of days before the deadline day saying that Rangers were interested. Got my agent to phone up, and they says, "Well, obviously, we, there's nothing we can do because we know that Aberdeen won't do business with us." And then came back to my we trained later on on deadline day, so I came back to my phone about half past three. I had nine missed calls, a voicemail, and a text from my agent. So listen to the voicemail and he goes off oh, phone me you're going to Rangers in a season long loan I'm thinking to myself if I didn't recognise his voice so much I'm thinking he's bamming me up here like <laughs> talking fish so phoned him and he just said hi he says um, Velichka's going the other way and you're going to a season long loan and I think and then when I spoke to Walter he said that um, Mark McGee or, or someone from Aberdeen spoke to him and said look we'll take Velichka and we'll give you Foster so Walter was like well Great, that's cool. That's cool. We wanted to sign him in the summer, so aye, no worries. See, on that, mate, like, I know you're buzzing that you're going to Rangers for a year alone, but are you know, thinking, like, I'm, I'm going to be on the exact same money and then need to go here and do well, can I not just get a three year deal, mate? Aye, well, that was the thing. It, it, because I kept my house in Aberdeen and I had to rent somewhere in, in Glasgow. Now, the Rangers, like, they gave me money towards the rent, but, um, but like, week to week, it cost me money to be there because I was still getting paid from Aberdeen. <laughs> That's a killer, man. Isn't it? Uh, obviously, like it, we kind of the bonuses of Champions League and that were good, and then the league winning bonus um, was brilliant. So I kind of made it back, but like week to week, it was it was costing me money. <laughs> what was Walter Smith like? Right, Jez? He's impressive as everyone says. Aye, he's just he's 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 that he's the guy that he, he just commands a room. You know, you hear people like he walks in and everybody takes notice, and he just he dealt with things like like the. the the day before we played Valencia at home, that was my like my debut in the Champions League. So he, we're just walking off a training pitch, and he's like, "Pause." Oh, so he calls me over, and I just put his arm around me, and we're walking, and he's like, "Oh, so like tomorrow, do you, do you fancy playing?" And I'm like, "Aye, like oh brilliant, aye." And he just went, "All right." And that was it. <laughs> and he just walked off, and I think, I think he obviously realised that. If I if I make a big thing here, he's gonna be he's gonna be shiting himself anyway. He's gonna be doubly shiting himself. So he obviously just tried to play it down, and I was like, "Fucking hell!" I'm, and then I'm phoning my dad, going, "I think I'm playing tomorrow in the Champions League." And then, but then I was like, "But I'm still no sure." <laughs> but obviously I did, and it was it was class. But um, he just had a way about him, and he obviously had a like you had boys like Kyle Lafferty. Now Kyle like Slaney, uh, Kyle Lafferty and Slaney are similar, so you can imagine <laughs> like just. They're good guys, but yeah. they're just fucking idiots. Like, and 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 laugh would do do things that like 
as a manager, you must be looking at going, surely he's not just gone and done that. What, what sort of stuff did he do? Well, he, he, we played, before we played Man United, so we'd, we'd already named the team, so Laugh was playing, so it was the morning of the game. So we'd go into, we'd get into Murray Park, we'd do a bit of shape, we'd go away again, then obviously go, turn up to the game. So getting off the bus, Laugh's tried to jump on Greg Wilde's back, but Wilde's not expecting it. So he just kind of naturally, oh, for fuck's sake, here's another delivery. He just like, he, not, he just, he throws Laugh off, but Laugh falls, lands on his hand, right? And he's like, ah, oh, oh, fuck my finger. But his finger, it's no broken. He's dislocated it at the joint, so it's come out the knuckle, right? But somehow his knuckles rotated like 45 uh, degree, or 90 degrees. So, so the doc can't even put it back in. Oh. So he needs, a, he needs an operation. All right, so... So imagine like imagine being Walter Smith and going, he can't play now because he needs an operation in his hand because he jumped on a guy's back and fell over. Like, and then there's a there's a bit where uh, have you have you been in Murray Park? I've been I've been in Murray Park. Yeah. You see the, like where the, the the masseur bit is, and then there's the pool. Oh no, I've only been on the outside. I've only played oh, right, right. So and and there's like where the the masseur goes. There's like a that's where the the kind of recovery pool is. So there's obviously a big like glass windows. So we're in there. And uh, was I getting a massage? I don't know if I was getting a massage. I think I was getting a massage. So the boys are in the pool. Laugh being laugh, he's got his, he's got his like sloggies on, but he's pulled them right up. Like the way, the way women wear their bikinis and their bottoms now, so they're right up over his hips. He puts on a pair of flippers that are in the water. He's got like fucking floats on, like armbands. And he's like grinding his ass up and down the glass window, right? <laughs> so one of the boys has walked out and the gaffer's going past. And he's like, oh, gaffer, I think, uh, I think, I think laugh's in there, I need you. So Walter Smith has walked in and laughs like doing that, sliding down this. <laughs> and he's just, but it's one of those, you know, when you, you've been caught, like, when you've been caught doing something, you know, he's like, oh, and he's trying to fix himself. And Walter just in that. He just walked out of the room. Would Walter never go mad at him? Did he just, like, was that what he's good at? He understood his character and allowed him to deal with that? Uh, even, no, just him. He came in one morning and he was there. Uh, so we had, we'd gone to spin bikes before, the, before training. So he came in. He says to McGregor, he's like, did you get fucking chucked out Corinthian at, at three o'clock in the morning? He's like, no, I never. So he, so he storms out the room, so he's, he's fucking raging. So then we usually... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Get off the bikes, go and get our boots on and get to training. But 
no, there's a, there's going to be a meeting. So the the, the dressing room we changed like an oval. So if you, you come in and it kind of goes out like that. So he, Walter stands at the far end. Ian Durant standing behind him. So he's like, we still raging. He's like, guys, I I, I don't you know what. I don't have a lot of rules and restrictions. I appreciate the pressure you are under. It's a small squad. So I try and keep, you know, I run a very relaxed ship here. Um, but I do expect a certain, I do expect certain things. I, we've got a game midweek. I don't expect you to go out on a Saturday night. Um, he says, but first and foremost, I must apologise. He says, because I made a mistake. He says, uh, Gregsy uh, beats James Beatty. He says, he's never got chucked out of quarantine at three o'clock. You were just fucking going into couldn't at three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Ian, but, so we're all looking at the gaffer and Ian Durant's behind him like that, like silently just shaking with laughter. And I look across and Jig's got his head between his knees and he's doing the same. And then that was it. That's how he just dealt with that situation. It was like, I'm getting my point across, but I'm not going to hammer him. And that's obviously just the mark of a good manager. Kind of had the respect of the boys without, without being mental. But he, he could lose it. Like he could proper lose it. Have you, have you got any memories of him losing it? The final day of the season, half time, Kamarnik, we're winning 3 1. So we'd scored three goals in seven minutes or something. So right. obviously everybody's bouncing because you're thinking we're going to win the league. So he comes in, he's got this wooden hanger. He comes in at half time and he starts off slow. And he goes, Right, lads, what are we doing at the start of the game? We're getting the ball forward early. So why the fuck have we fucking stopped? And he's going mental, going, Get the fucking ball forward early, put them under pressure, and you'll win the game. And I'm sitting there going, 1 3 1. We're going to win a league. Just calm down a bit. That's obviously, you obviously realise if, if Kamarnik score again, it's 3 2, you then start getting nervous and, and jittery. And he's like, no, just go out there. And I think we won 5 1 in the end. And it's like, obviously, that's him just kind of going, right, we're so close, don't make an arse of it. Yeah. But I'm just looking at him thinking, he's a, he's a maniac, this guy. Like, just absolutely abusing this hanger. When you're winning 3 1, you're going to win the league in 45 minutes. But I suppose that's just. That's the genius of me, Ah, that's a, I'm saying, you know, he deals with one situation by making everybody laugh and he deals with another one by putting everybody in their place. So it's just, it's the timing of everything. He got, he got spot on, just the timing. How was, uh, how was Durant that funny? Ah, Durant, that was, well, that's, like, that's what he was. I mean, they would, him and McCoy would take the piss out of Walter Smith all the time until he was there. And then they'd just like shut up. Like, or behind his back, they'd make jokes and stuff, but they'd never like, because obviously even, you know, because they obviously played them as well. So they had the massive respect from his, uh, but uh, he was, he was, Durant was just always just, and see, by the way, he, Durant would come in the boxes sometimes. Obviously, he couldn't have moved because his knee was fucked and his hip was fucked. But yeah. unbelievable ability in the boxes. See his little touches and stuff. Never gave the ball away. Love that. Was McCoy's joining as well? Nah, he, he loved that. He was, he was like, even when he came into the games, he scored a goal in training that was just classic Gally McCoy's. Like, just a ball gets fired wide. You can see the guy's going to volley it. He just sprints into the middle of the goal. Guy shanks a volley. He taps it in. <laughs> like, you know, just, just still had that ability to just be in the right place at the right time. That's um, amazing, huh? But you, but you can tell, like, you can obviously tell when they, when they got involved, like, they were, I don't think they ever got the appreciation for how good they were, you know what I mean, as players. Um, yeah. But it was, it was good when they joined in, like, because you got to see how good they were, kind of. What about players? Like, who, who was the best player there? I, probably, I mean, a lot of good players, but probably Stephen Davis. I just, I just, everything, just his first touch, his awareness. He never seems to be like he always seems to be in space. Like he doesn't seem to have any anyone near him. Um, he can play short passes, long passes. Like his first touch, his vision. I uh, just 
like I said, there's a lot of good players there, obviously, but he was he was probably the best of them for me. Any assholes? Not really. Yeah, no, you, squad. Uh, it was a decent enough squad. I mean, Kenny Kenny Miller's Kenny Miller, like, and he says he says basically how what he thinks, and obviously it rubs a lot of people up the wrong way because some people don't like it. Um, but uh, he's and he can be quite harsh at times, like quite cutting. But um, but I suppose it, the the places that he's played that you probably need to be like that, you know, the kind of stronger survive basically. And he was obviously a, a great player for Rangers, but uh, he was. And, uh, but he was still part of the squad. Everybody kind of got on well with him. Um, but there was no. Would Walter no mind Kenny being with that now? No, really, no. Like I think, I think it never happened when I was there. But I think obviously there was times when Walter put Kenny in his place, as he would have every day. And yeah. I think that's what probably gained him the respect that he deserved. Like Walter wouldn't shy away. Like he wouldn't have a go at me or the lone player who's not really played. And then no say anything to like Sasa Papach. You know, if if people needed, if it needed said, Walter would say it. So I think I think obviously Kenny was kind of would have been put in his place a few times by Walter, like. But but Kenny is the way that I'd say most of the older like us older yeah. players are. You take the criticism, and even if it annoys you, you, you show a reaction. You don't go on a wee huff like. Whereas a lot of players now kind of go in a mood, and then they wait for you to to make a mistake so they can have a go at you. And it's just it's a completely the dynamics completely changed. But Kenny's old school, obviously, and he's just like right. You, like I've annoyed you've annoyed me, but I'm gonna I'll run about or I'll tackle somebody or I'll, I'll score a goal and I'll put everything right. Yeah. See, just on water. Obviously, you played most of your games in the big games, didn't you? Like Champions League, Europa League, Celtic. Like, did Walter give you a reason on why you would play in, in the bigger games and not in the in the lesser games? Because for I think me, if I'm coming on for Aberdeen, I want to play against. <laughs> I'm winning. Do you know what I mean? Uh, you don't. You don't want your first appearance to be against Juan Mata in the Champions League. Wow. Uh, you know, but I think it was just, I think it was probably the formation helped. He obviously went more defensive in uh, in, in Europe, but he, like he played, it was weird because he played, um, essentially it was 4-5-1. Um, or no, it, no, it was, well, it was, it was a strange formation in that we had like, a, I was a wing back, so there was, so, so there was three behind us. And I was, it was like almost 3-5. 1 so I had a wing or three four. It was maybe th- anyway. I can't remember what it was. But so I had I was like right wing back, and I had Stephen Naismith ahead of me. So obviously as a wing back, you don't tend to have that. But because it, obviously the players were good enough to pass the ball and keep the ball even against good teams, it wasn't really a defensive formation. But I think because he wanted an extra defender on the pitch, that certainly helped me. And obviously injuries helped because for a few of those games, like Broadfoot was injured, so then I think he would have played, but then he was injured, so then I played. So that that kind of that helped me, but I think it was just when if he if he went more defensive, like obviously I was kind of more defensively minded minded than a lot of the other players. How was it? How was the atmosphere for the big games? Amazing. Aye, that that first night, like you see, you see when you're standing in the lineup and the Champions League music comes on, oh, it's just incredible. And obviously the fans are going mental as well, singing singing the whole game. Aye, it's just it's just it's like an experience I'll never forget. Absolutely unbelievable. I think you can, you can, there's a photo, obviously, you get your photo taken before the game and you see me, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> thinking myself, fucking hell. Were you shaking yourself? Were you shaking yourself? Oh, I, that, that game, I was absolutely shaking myself. Like, just never, like, well, I went from Aberdeen and I wasn't in the team. I was suspended for the first game of the season. Never came on, never played for any of the other games. Um, and then played in, like, the Aberdeen Cup with the reserves. And then two weeks later, I was sitting on the bench at Old Trafford. What? 
Wow. <laughs> What's going on here? And then I get in about 25, 26 minutes, Kirk Broadfoot went down with a head knock. I had to go out and warm up. I'm running down the side going, oh, please get up. Please get up, Kirk. I don't know if I can cope with this. But he, he actually he got up, thankfully. I think we drew that game, they'll know. Um, but then, but I, it was just, and then I think after, after the first five, ten minutes of the game, you settle into it and you forget about this, the thing. But initially, you're going into that game thinking, holy shit. I was playing in the Aberdeenshire Cup at Cove Rangers, against Cove Rangers, and now I'm playing against Valencia. Like, like I say, if Carlsberg done loan moves, that was it. Mad how quick football can change, isn't it? Uh, oh, you played in the uh, infamous shame game, Celtic Park, Whitaker, Bouguera, Duth, Red Cards, Lenny and McCoy's having a bust up at the end. What's your memories for that night? Well, to be fair, I think the referee ruined the game as a contest because he sent Whitaker off. Now, his second, his second tackle was a book and it's a stupid one because he's been booked, but his first one, I think it was key. Um, he plays a, plays a one-two, so he, Wits follows the ball, like, so Wits turns away but he leaves his leg there and Key just runs over it. It's a foul, like it's a free yeah. kick, but he, d- he doesn't mean it. The referee books him and you're going, well, that's after about 10 minutes. You're thinking, that's an early book in an old firm game and obviously then the kind of shit hit the fan. Um, I think Willow shot, Mark Wilson shot, basically, like, I think Sasa Papach had been in a car accident as a youngster so he had loads of metal plates in his head. So when he heads the ball off the line, it fucked him for about three months. Like just having migraines and that all the time, I. Um, but the the funny, say funny, the funniest thing about that is, so I can't, who was the referee? Can you remember who the referee was? Uh, no, so, no. So we, so the end of the game. So he sent, I think he sent Bugera off, and um, so so like Boogie's right in his face, and the referee's obviously, and but Boogie puts his hands on both of his arms. Bagheera's obviously a fucking big guy, strong guy, and the referee's just like, oh, like shaking, like trying to like get him off, but he can't move. Like Bagheera's just holding him like that. And he's like, oh, he's trying to get his fucking hand up to give him the red card, and he just like, oh, can't move. Like, like, when I look back on that, that's the bit that gets me every time. Like, the, the amount of rage and tension in that game, and then you see a wee referee that can't move because he's just been clamped shut like that. And he can't get his red card out to give up to him. Where were you when uh, Lennon and McCoy at the end? Were you, were you close to it? No, I was still on the pitch, so they were they were up ahead of me. Did um, you see I, it from where you were standing? You could see that you could see it, and I don't know what was, and I still to this day don't know what was said, because you see it, and obviously I think Coisty says something, and then and then something comes back, and then it's the fucking red the the kind of red mist descends, and it's all oh, it's chaos, and then everybody's pulled apart, and then you're just kind of usher up the tunnel. But it was, um, but I don't, I still honestly to this day do not know what was said. We'd well, love to know. <laughs> So with that, so much. Seeing the Celtic and Rangers game, did you get in arguments with Celtic players? In that game especially, was it was it very heated on the pitch? Um, to be fair, it actually wasn't too bad. Like, I think uh, I was more concerned that I was playing, like, so Whitaker was playing right midfield, I was playing right back. So when he gets sent off, I was playing on the right myself against Easy Gary, who had three lungs, and Chris Commons, who, like, uh, he couldn't have moved. So but he had, had zero lungs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so he would get inside, and Easy Gary would just bomb up and down. So I was playing against them. So you kind of, I was, I couldn't speak, never mind fucking have a go at him. Um, <laughs> what about in the dressing room after? How was, was it mayhem in the dressing room as well? No, it's just, it, no, really. Not that I can remember. I think it was just the disappointment of losing the game and you're kind of, because I think it, that, was a, that was a cup replay and I think Rangers should have won the first leg. That was the, the one that, that when Scott Brown like stood in front of Juve. 
Good for her. So that was so they were doing it ten men. They equalised two each. We had chances to, to win, but we never took them. And then you go to the replay, um, and then like I say, so the ball kind of comes in. Willow hits a kind unbelievable like a exercise missile. Sasa heads it off the line, can nearly kills him. Um, the ball comes back to Mark Wilson, who then sclaps it into the ground. And like, there's a few of us. That, on sounds, the, more, that sounds more like Willow than the first uh, one. So we, he sclaps it into the ground so much that I'm on the line with somebody else, but it bounces over us. Because it hits. So like, if he if he actually hit it as good as he hit the first one, we'd have probably blocked it. Yeah. But then, so then you go in, and it's just a disappointment because because at Rangers and Celtic, you know, if you put the other one out, chances are you're going to win a cup. Mm. So I think it was just a disappointment of they, they've beat us, and it's just like. And that's why, obviously, the, the, the kind of tension flared at the end as well. Um, just that kind of disappointment. Lost that game, but obviously you're going to win win the league and you get a, a league winner's medal. Um, you take great pride in that. Aye. I mean, because I think I made something like 26 appearances in a season, which is not... Bad, mate. Not bad. It's all right, considering I was there as a squad player, essentially. Um, that's me every year, by the way, 26 appearances. <laughs> um, <laughs> But so I made twelve in the league, which was obviously enough to get a medal. Um, but I think it was just it was, it was actually quite we, the last five games we managed to keep pretty much the same team, and it was just incredible to watch these boys. They just kind of go into you must win these games mode, and it just like nothing else gets in the way, and it's just a focus of we're going to win these games. And then you kind of and then the, obviously the big game was the game against Celtic where um, McGregor saved Samaras penalty. And then I can remember listening to the Inverness game because that was the game they had in hand. So if they won, if they'd even drew the game in hand, they'd have been a point ahead of us. What was that? A Tuesday night? I think it was a Tuesday, Wednesday night. Aye. So I'm I'm in the car listening to it. I think was it Paddy McCourt? Was he there then? Yeah, Paddy was there. So, like, so I'm listening to the, the commentator on the radio, and then you know what the commentators are like. And this McCourt gets the ball and he goes past one, he goes two, and he goes into the box and he goes down and it is not a penalty and I'm not driving you a bastard. <laughs> Just expect them to shoot it's a penalty and nearly crashed the car. And then obviously it wasn't and they got, I think they're gonna beat three two in the end. And then uh, I was like, oh, fuck it, I could my heart was like right yanking fucking hell. We're now on the same points as Celtic, but we're ahead in goal difference. So if we win every game of won the league, and then like I say, then they kinda of go into kinda of super we must win these games mode and like Naismiths, Whitakers, McCulloch's, McGregor's, Weir, they just, Kenny, they just kind of take over and they just kind of go into the zone and they won the games and uh, obviously we won the league. But it's just just to note, like you've played in Scotland for so long and just to have a medal, like a league winner's medal, like I, for, for me personally, it's a great achievement. So yeah, I'm actually I'm absolutely buzzing with it. See, just on that, what you're saying, man. You were listening to Celtic play Inverness. See the next day when you go to Murray Park, is, is everyone talking about it? Is it like a pure party atmosphere? It's, it's not a party atmosphere because we, obviously we know there's still work, like five or four, maybe four games to go. But there's a there's a kind of everybody's kind of got a spring in their step and they're kind of quietly kind of going right. Like if we've got a chance to win it, this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously that's that's the last time that Rangers won the league. So um, to to have the medal from then is is pretty special. Uh, you mentioned Juf and Scott Brown. I just wanted to ask you, what, what was Juf like as a guy? He was actually all right. He loved himself, like absolutely adored himself with a passion. Um, <laughs> but he was he was a good enough guy. Like I mean, I never spent a lot of time with him. Um, I never spent any time with him out with Murray Park. But he was he was brand new. He would chat to you, chat away to you. He was a smart guy. Um, 
he just couldn't help himself. I think when he got on the football pitch, he just he liked to be the centre of attention. He liked to be the one to wind everybody up. Um, yeah. Good player, good, technically a good player, but he tended to slow the game down a bit for for Scotland. Yeah, he had some amount of motors and closing that, didn't he? Ah, he was every every day. He was he was in kind of brand new gear, and but I, I don't know if it was real because. He would, he would always offer you know that one was like oh are you want you want a bag or you want a t-shirt or you want it's like mm, where are you getting all this stuff from <laughs> like you know what I mean I got a van outside did he know any big time shouts um, I can't really remember I, he was he didn't have to have the big time shouts because he was the kind of guy that had like the Gucci phone case and stuff where it's got like diamonds and stuff on it and you're like right okay you're a bit kind of ostentatious but um, he was he was as a guy actually he was alright um, until he got on the football pitch and then he was just a lunatic. <laughs> uh, did you not have a chance to stay at Rangers? No, really, no. Like I, I knew I was obviously going back to Aberdeen, and then McCoy's was taking over, and my agent was on to them, and they, they kind of they started signing boys from Australia, and because I think they were wanting to kind of expand their fan base almost. That's this is the excuse they gave me, um, and then it just never panned out. It just never kind of came to fruition. So I was back to Aberdeen, but I was that was Craig Brown and Archie Knox, and they made me captain at Aberdeen, so that was that was quite good. Any Craig Brown or Archie Knox stories for us? But no, um, like no, I'm, not that I witnessed that, but apparently Craig Brown's a, a bit of a shagger. Like, <laughs> we all I'm, 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 like you look at him, you think he's just a wee old. He's like an old man, like he's seventy years old. But apparently, he used to do a bit, like no, just like like with young, like younger women and that. You think to yourself, <laughs> how? I don't know. He must have a cracking bobby. <laughs> I've heard this. Uh, what about Archie? Could Archie still crack at that age, or was he a bit more mellow? Uh, no, he was. He was mental. Like he, he tried to. He, he tried to go for me at Tynecastle. Why? Because we came in. He was moaning at me for a goal. I think it was. There was a goal. The boy at the back post scored. And I think I was. You know that way the cross is coming in. And I'm going to head it, but my centre half thinks he can head it. Stupid big centre half. But he's stretching back the way, so it skiffs his head, and I've done that. But obviously, because I'm heading it away, but it skiffed his head and went over me to the guy at the back post who scores. So Archie's raging at me for the goal, and so I, I so he comes in and he's shouting at me. But you know, you know, Tyne Castle dressing rooms are tiny. Tiny, yeah. He's, he's over the like the other side, and there's like a like a masseur's bench in in the way, and so he comes in and shouts at me, and I shout back at him, and he's like, oh, "Try to move the bench out of the way as if he's going to come for me." I'm standing there thinking. Hey, you're in your seventies. I'll just crack you right in the chin. <laughs> like, it's different if you know. Different if you were forty-five, and, and I'm thinking, whoa, this could be this could be tasty here. I'm thinking to myself, like, come on, you know, you're an old guy. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna hit you. But, but he, he did still have that kind of. I think if 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 I hadn't been so raging at the time, yeah, like obviously I'm, I'm, he's raging, I'm raging. I'm not afraid of him. But he did have that way about him where you could see the younger guys. That when he lost it, they would just kind of shrink as if, oh, I don't. It's like having a teacher at school that you, you know the one that loses it, and you just everybody's afraid of them. That was like Archie. He could, but see, in terms of football knowledge, unbelievable. Like yeah. the amount of training sessions he, he knew and come up with, incredible. Um, but what was brilliant about him and we we had because I was the captain, we had a few arguments, Archie and I. But you'd leave the office, and he'd be like, "Any plans for the weekend?" Just totally under the carpet, never held it against you at all. It was just said in the moment, we both said our piece, right, let's move on, let's get back to football. And that was like, so I've got utmost respect for him for that, that reason. That's, that was what I always thought with Craig Brown. Like he's been a Scotland manager and I could just never imagine him getting angry. 
he never really, he never really, I think that's what Archie was there for. Like, Archie was like his pit bull. But, um, so what does he do then? What does Craig Brown do? Does he coach? Ah, he, he does, he does some of the, he's done some of the coaching. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, kind of, he, he shape us up for the games and stuff. But he was, it was almost, they almost played the good cop, bad cop. You know what I mean? That kind of way. And, and he was much more relaxed. He was, he was the horny cop. <laughs> horny cop, angry cop. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, hey, so he was, he was just kind of, Kind of more laid back, it kind of just go on with it, and he was very softly spoken. I mean, he could lose his temper, but he never, he never done it often. Yeah. Uh, but I think like someone like me who loses his temper all the time, the the, the impact is lost. But when someone who doesn't lose it all the time does lose it, you then kind of go, oh shit, he's really annoyed. Yeah. Uh, uh, right, mate. We'll talk to you about uh, going back to Ibrox. Uh, he signed permanently in 2013 in League One. Could you tell the match was a massive differences in the club at that at that stage? Aye, I mean, they'd lost so many players. I mean, obviously, there's a few still there. And I think good squad as well in terms of, you know, well, an excellent squad for those leagues. But there was just a, I don't know, there's just a different kind of air about the place. You know, there wasn't that invincibility that there was before. You know, you, you, you go into a game and it wouldn't be, we know we're going to win this. It was like, right, right let's kind of work hard and we'll win it. Even, you know, at, league one, even at League One, for us, Maybe not so much League One, but certainly we went into the Championship. Because in the League One season, we went, we went undefeated the whole season. And everybody goes, oh, well, so you should. Like, you're, you know what I mean? Your wages that everybody's on and stuff like that. And, um, and we won the league relatively comfortably. But obviously that still wasn't enough because we never won every game. So the fans are still wanting you to win every game. And then you go into the Championship. And the thing is, with, like, it's a tough league. Um, and we had Hearts, Hibs, you know, Falkirk were in it, Queen of the South. But the... One thing that I always think is the, the, the hearts that beat us, the points totally got, the wins, the goals, they would have beat Warburton's squad the, like a season after. Right. So the, the, when Rangers got promoted, they still never had as many points as Hearts did when they beat us. And bearing in mind... I never knew that. Wow. And bearing in mind, Rangers got promoted without Hearts. So there's four games, there's 12 points that you've basically... 12 extra points you've got because Hearts are not in the league. Because Hearts yeah. are, Hearts were just incredible that year. Now, there was, obviously, there was a lot of the time that we were shite. Um, but they were just like a train. Just kept going and kept winning and kept winning and kept winning. I mean, I think the one that summed it up for us was we were watching it. I think the Hearts are down to 10 men and Hibs are winning 1-0. And then Ozturk scores from about 45 yards. I, so, I mean, that's the, kind of, that's the kind of shit they done. And they just kept churning out points and points. And we just, we kind of crumbled a bit. Who spoke to you when you went back? Was it McCoy that phoned you? I think McCoyst and uh, Kenny McDowell went to see my agent because I think like in the summer, like um, they were obviously in Holden in the same place, and my agent like kind of went to see them and just said like we want them to come back. So, and uh, the fact that they were in League One that never put you off at all. Now, was there any second thoughts? No, I was because I was I was at Bristol City, but I'd, like it was kind of personally, it was a bad time for me. It was kind of break up my first marriage. Um, didn't really the dressing room was weird. Like the English lads are strange. Um, a lot of kind of good players on paper, but just and just arseholes and kind of stab you in the back as soon as look at you, and just a, not a nice atmosphere. Um, and I wanted like after, so I went there in January, and by the first summer, I wanted to come back up the road. So I was like, I'm not enjoying this. Um, but then obviously I, I, I stayed, um, and then McInnes got sacked in Jan- the following January, and I never played. So I played about three games till the end of the season because the new manager came in and brought somebody else in and said he's going to play. 
So I was like, I'm des- desperate to get back up the road. And I think it was because I'd had such a good time there the first time. And I know they always say, don't go back. But because I had such a good time, I thought, you know what, I'll go back and, and, and hopefully it's good again. And it was, you know, it was back, back in Scotland, back in Glasgow. It was, you know, it ticked all the boxes for me. The League One thing didn't really bother me that much. The bank balance makes up for the League One, that? Eh? The bank balance makes up for the League One. Well, no, because I was on more money at Bristol. Oh, well, you're right, okay. I took, a, I, took a, I took a wage cut coming back up the road. Oh, did you? Uh, right? uh, so, like I said, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a financial thing. It was just a, I want to get back to Scotland. I just didn't enjoy, like, the, the disregard that loads of folk in, in Bristol had for coming from Scotland. And they hated the fact, the players hated the fact that I'd played in the Champions League. Because a, a few of them had played in the Premiership. And they're obviously thinking that's the fucking that's the best I've And it's like, well, no, really, I've played in the Champions League, and I hated it. I hated it. Yeah, I just love that for you. Um, so I, so I just, I just wanted to get back to Scotland, and that was kind of, I, had a, I could have went to the to Vancouver Whitecaps, um, but that's like fucking thirteen hours away on a flight, mm. um, and obviously, like I say, I, I had a, a wee boy that um, he was only two at the time, so I was kind of like, it'd be too far. I wouldn't see him, so then I just wanted to come back to Scotland. So. Uh, McCoy was the manager at this point. Could you tell the difference in him being an assistant? Had he changed a wee bit? Obviously, he had to, but ah, he had. He, he, he kind of, you know, because he was always he was like Jimmy Nicol. He was laughing and joking. He was in with the boys. He was kind of, kind of getting the banter and stuff. And obviously, he had to kind of separate himself from that being the manager. Um, but I don't know. Did you work with Coach at uh, Kenny? Uh, brilliant, mate. I've always said uh, he's brilliant, isn't he? Aye. Uh, so he was. He was obviously the assistant, and he was. He was good. He was. Obviously, again, very knowledgeable about the game, and and uh, uh, he was the, the two of them kind of dovetailed quite well. I just think we, I don't know, we probably had a squad of players on paper again that were were very good, but we just that championship season would just never we just never rose to the challenge. Basically, was there a lot of fallouts that season between the players and dressing rooms and stuff like that? Obviously, the intensity of playing for Rangers and you're no winning, and um, did that spill into the dressing room? No, really. I think a lot of the a lot of the to be fair to, to Alan McCoyst, he shielded us from a lot of the shit that was going on. Like he was obviously taking a lot of, like a, you know, getting in the neck from from everybody, and then all the other financial stuff that was going on and everything with the club. But that never really filtered into the dressing room. I just think we collectively, as a as a team, as a squad, we just never, like I say, we never rose to the challenge. Um, we never, we just never had enough to go over the line. And I think you look at that in, in the two games against Motherwell. Um, we kind of let ourselves down, really. We just we kind of went out with a bit of a damp squib. Any good characters in that squad? I'm going to ask about Big Moshny because I played against him and he was a screwball man. He's, I used to actually be shit scared playing against him at Southend, mate. Well, I think he, I think when when he was there, I think he took a pair of scissors to one of his teammates as if I'm going to stab you. Like he was. He, the thing is, he was a, such a lovely big guy. Honestly, like calm, placid, like well spoken. Could speak. He could speak English, Arabic. Spanish, and he could only, I think he could speak a bit of German. So, you know, an intelligent guy, well-spoken, like I say, um, but just an absolute crackpot. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, could, he couldn't understand the scrutiny that we were under. He couldn't understand why the fans were on you all the time. Like, cause there was a couple of times, like, we'd go back to Murray Park, and there's fans waiting outside to give us abuse. Big Moshin is straight over. Like, 20 fans and he's straight over as if they say like why are you, why are you saying this kind of thing why are you and obviously we're thinking they, they might want to kill you Billy and he, he obviously didn't care because he's probably thinking I'd take a few of them with me before I go 
So he was like, because he was a big, as you know, he's a fucking big guy, like he's a big strong fella. Um, but I, he was just, I don't think he, he couldn't understand the level of scrutiny and, and the level of criticism because you know, you draw a game against Queen of the South, that's not good enough for Rangers. But some, you know, in some games, depending on the way the games go, and you walk away and go, right, fucking hell, lads, we weren't great, but it draws a good result. But nah, it's, when you're at Rangers, that's no, that's not enough. Because uh, we play obviously I'm pals with Delilah. He was at Queen of the South when Moshney was there, and Del right. said the first couple of minutes, like Moshney has absolutely stuck one on Del and, and smashed him, and Del's done him back. And uh, Jigs, big Lee McCauley, was playing centre half for Moshney that day. And he, he actually went over to Del and went, Del, then I get involved with him, man. You won't punch your cunt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you see the thing with Lee Irwin, it's like once once he snaps, he's not got the I'm on a football pitch here, I better not dare him. He's got the I'm going to kill you, like <laughs> get out of my way kind of thing. And I know, you know, Dale can handle himself as well, but I, I, I wouldn't have fancy him in that fight, to be honest. Cause we, see, when we played Washington at South End, we had like a big game, I think they had two cent off, he was probably one of them. But they didn't play the right mid. Played right mid, that was <laughs> right. They used to just hit Diags to me and he would just run up and smash the left back. But see that nightmare after the game, he was trying to get into our dressing room. And that's the first time I've seen Decanio kind of like, kind of shut himself a wee bit. Eh? But Moshney was banging our door, mate. We were shitting ourselves. <laughs> Honestly, like I say, he's, he's got that like that mentality that, I fair enough, there's 10 years you might take me down, but I'm taking down at least five years on my way. Like he was he ever like that in training for us? Did he ever, did he ever fling anybody about in training? No, really, no. Like he was, he was always laughing and joking, like trying Megs and stuff and like seeing a box. Like when he was in the middle, like he was out within seconds because he was like a fucking octopus. You just couldn't get the ball by him, like he's so big. But he was technically really good with his feet, both feet. Um, and he was like always up for a laugh and a joke uh, in training. But then, and in, in, in most games as well. But you, you remember, like, so we're playing at we're playing at teams like Stenhouse Muir and all those kind of small grounds, and the fans are two feet away from you, and you can hear everything they say. So we'd start games. And the fans behind the goal, he'd maybe head one out of the box and it wouldn't go that far. And the fans are all on him. And he, you could see him at the start of the game turn around and having a go at the fans. And you're thinking, fuck, he's lost it already. But it's like, he just couldn't understand why they weren't on his side, basically, as opposed to just always against them. Uh, right, cannon, like. Just the last few bit, the playoff defeat to Motherwell. Uh, so the final whistle goes, where are you again? I want to ask, where are you on the, you on the pitch? I'm on the pitch. I'm at right back. So Moshin is kind of behind me. Um... And then, so I don't, I didn't see what happened until after. But then, I think obviously because like Lee Arwins went to sh- shake his hand, and Moshney just pied him, walked by him. So then Big Lee's fucking pushed him in the back, and that's when he just turns around and he just volleys him and he just takes him. To be fair, Big Lee, I'm surprised he stayed in his feet. But I did. Um, do you know Lee? <laughs> well, I've met him a couple of times. Aye, but he's he's laid back as fuck. Like obviously, I played with him last year at County, and he's just. You know, he obviously just kind of—he was annoyed. He just kind of laughs the whole situation off. But Moshney was on the bus after. Moshney went got off the bus. Like we were sitting outside waiting, got off the bus to go and get him. Like, and he was like, he was like, "Come on, let's go around here. Go around the corner where there's no people." And, like, fucking, uh, he was, and then like the police were waiting for us when we go back to Ibrox to arrest him. Oh, did he get arrested? I don't think he got arrested. I think he just got like they spoke to him and that, and then he had. But then he obviously just left the country because. He, he was away anyway, so. Is it true that him and Stuart McCall used to share conditioner? <laughs> Both were lovely long locks, didn't they? They did. They did. How was McCall all right? Uh, he was all right. He was, he was kind of similar to McCoy. So you could tell that he's that kind of laughing, jokey way, but he's had to kind of take a step back from it because he's obviously the manager. 
Um, but again, I kind of got on all right with him. Um, but it was just, it was almost like we were kind of, we knew we were on, because like, everything had happened, obviously, McCoy's leaving and McDowell coming in and him leaving. And it was just like, I don't know, the season was just on a downward trajectory. So it was kind of, it's a bit harsh for McCall to come in at that point because he never really had much chance of, of being success. I think his only chance of success was if we got up through the playoffs, which, which obviously we never managed. Brilliant, mate. That's just done. No worries. Thanks very much. <laughs> Gosh, Cheers, 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 See ya. See ya. See ya. Apple Green. We're aware of the part we play in creating carbon emissions. That's why we're now offering you the choice of carbon neutral driving with Power Plus Fuel. Power Plus from Apple Green. A better choice for your engine, a better choice for the environment because your emissions are 100% offset and a better choice for Ireland because you're supporting our commitment to plant 300,000 trees. Carbon reduction is a journey we can all be part of. Choose Power Plus today. Let's put carbon into neutral. Search Apple Green Power Plus today you're thinking of picking up a scratch card didn't you hear about the all cash scratch card win someone in bally longford kerry landing 50 grand there in june maybe then you think well if someone's gonna win it why not me the national lottery it could be you play responsibly play for fun acast powers the world's best podcasts Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Jesse Crookshank. Jesse Crookshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl, yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>